Hello, and welcome to the Bookmark Podcast, sponsored by the Wallingford Public Library, where we talk about books, culture, and life at the library. My name is Julie Rio. I'm the Assistant Director of the Library. Co-host this podcast because my mother always said that I have a face for the radio. And, you know, I'm looking at you on Zoom this morning, and and you kind of do a little bit, a little bit. But, but, but it's a wonderful face. It's just a wonderful face. My name is Cindy Haken. I am the Reader's Advisory Librarian at the library. I could talk about books all day long, and sometimes I do. Last Monday, in fact, I actually did. We, we timed it, and I did. We need to change that, though, to sometimes I do, to usually I do. Most of the time. Anyway, quite most regularly. of the time. Yes. <laughs> Cindy. I know, Julie, Today. We have a very special guest. Very. Art Elliott. Uh, hi, Art. Hi, hi Art. <laughs> Art lives in Wallingford with his wife, Deanna, and two kids, Charlie, Charlie and Asher. Although he recently confided to me that he's looking to downsize to a gingerbread cottage with a large oven deep, deep in the woods. Hmm. Although the market for that right now is not the best, and I have to mm -hmm. check with somebody on how to winterize something that's mainly made out of sugar. I know, you know, but it doesn't sound like such a bad idea, Art. I got to yeah, say, it. every day I, it sounds better and better. <laughs> so Art's claim to fame is that he has served on the library's board of managers since 2017. And he's serving his second term as board secretary. And, you know, Cynthia, I didn't know this. He was the third runner-up for the 2019 Nobel Prize in Economic Science. That sounds very And I'm okay with, yes, but I'm okay with losing it. Uh, technically, it's not even a real Nobel Prize. It's the <laughs> Synergy's Ritzbank Prize in Economic Sciences. Uh, oh. But a medal is always kind of nice to have. And it, and it just, it does really sound like you're smart when you say stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good it's a good conversation starter to 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 cow the uh, people you're talking to. Right. As long as you sound smart. Exactly. That's all that matters. Exactly. I, that's what I think. Julie. Oh, yes, Cindy. What's new <laughs> at the Wallingford Public Library? Well, recently we've been beefing up uh, our services to Spanish speaking people. Uh, with the hiring of Gina Cabrera, who is the wonderful Gina Cabrera, I should say. Yeah, I love Gina. She is so nice. She is so yes. nice. She is. Uh, and this all comes to us from a generous uh, support from the Latimer Group. Um, so Gina's with us uh, every day after school from four to eight. And uh, some days, Mondays and Wednesdays, she does uh, help with bilingual students uh, for their homework, homework help. Um, and then other days, she's helping Spanish-speaking Spanish -speaking people orient to the library, getting a library card, understanding what programs and services are available to them. So this is all great. And then on Thursdays from 4.30 to 5.30 in the Collins Room, uh, we're having a Spanish conversation group, which is a way for people to improve their Spanish-speaking skills in a friendly and non-judgmental space. Uh, so if you know just a little bit of Spanish and you want to practice uh, speaking with others, uh, this is a great place to come. I participate in it myself. 
And uh, it's really a lot of fun. Every week we try and talk about something different. This week we're going to talk about a uh, childhood memory. So uh, that's been a lot of fun thinking about that and then translating my thoughts into Spanish to be able to tell the group about it. So, 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 Julie, I have some questions because I have not attended. Oh boy. Normally, oh I am boy. on the reference desk on Thursday afternoons. And so it yes, does you are. my pressing work obligations. But uh, are you meant to be what what level of Spanish do you need to be able to attend? You just need uh, a little bit of ability to speak Spanish. It's not a, a class to learn Spanish but it is a way to speak with other people in Spanish. So you need to know a little bit and have a little bit of conversational. But, you know, I mean, we range in the group from Gina, who's a native speaker, and sometimes other native speakers come and, you know, try and help us out to people who, you know, it's, it's very rudimentary, uh, their Spanish speaking skills. So, you know, it really runs the gamut, but it's a way to, you know, brush up on your skills. And, and and are you corrected in real are you corrected in real time as you oh, yeah. speak? Okay. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot. I get a lot. Yeah. Okay. If you know, if you're saying something <laughs> that you're not quite sure if that's the correct way to say it, or you don't remember the word, you know, Gina's there to help you out, you know, to, you know, for some reason I, I keep getting the tenses wrong. So uh, so she's there to correct us with that. Gotcha. And don't tell her this, but Gina might be one of the nicest people I know. So she might be like the perfect person to do this. She really is the perfect person because she's just, she's always smiling and happy to see you and happy to be there and happy to help us uh, with our Spanish speaking skills. So it really is, it's a great program. And we thank the Lateran Group for their support on that. So, Cindy, what are you reading? I, I am going to talk about a book that as we sit here today on Monday, March 7th, recording this podcast, our March episode, uh, is not out yet. But, it, but never fear, it's coming out tomorrow. So I think that that's fair because uh, who knows when you'll get around to getting this up, <laughs> Julie. Um, the book is thanks. called In... <laughs> Don't mention no pressure. It. The, no pressure. <laughs> the book is called In Love. And it is by Amy Bloom, who is a writing professor at Wesleyan University. She used to teach at Yale uh, and lives not too far from us in the great state of Connecticut. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and it is a magnificent uh, memoir of her, her beloved husband's um, Alzheimer's diagnosis and subsequent request that she help him figure out how to end his life with dignity before the disease progressed. Hmm. Um, and I appreciate that probably even just saying that sentence is a contra just, there are people who are going to have a very strong reaction to just that sentence. Mm -hmm. she, yes, it doesn't sound like a comedy. It's not a comedy, no, but no. it is not a comedy, <laughs> but it's not, I, I don't, I, that doesn't mean it's not a good book art. Um, oh, true, uh, true. Um, it, uh, it was reviewed in, in yesterday's New York Times book review glowingly uh, and also reviewed uh, by Dwight Garner, one of the Times regular book critics earlier this past week, also glowingly. Um, uh, it, it is about the fact that, the, that 
states that have right to die laws in this country, and there are several, um, so you think, oh, well, that's not that hard to do. It's it, right, somebody who doesn't want to, who has seen who has seen a relative go through this, know what, know how bad it is for the family members, know what happens to the person and says no, um, that you ought to be able to make that decision and do it. And it turns out that the right to die laws in the United States are much more narrowly crafted than you might expect and um, contain in among other uh, rules and requirements that you be within six months of death. Um, which is and a, how would you know that? Well, if you have a terminal cancer diagnosis, for for example, that is right, that is stage four, and I mean there are certain types of cancer, just for an example, where 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 you do know, but of course with Alzheimer's you're never going to know that mm. ever. Um, and so right there, that takes things out. And she she talks not only about the research, so, um, so just think about researching how to help your spouse and his life for a second, what that must mm. have been like. Um, she talks about the years, two to three years of noticing changes in his behavior before they got tested and what, what that was like for her and the impact on their marriage of those months and months. Um, she talks about how they met, how they fell um, incredibly in love and how happy they were before uh, things started to change. And, and um, then about the, uh, the place in outside of Zurich called Dignitas that she found, um, the process of the, the reams and reams of paperwork and tests that she went back and forth with, with Dignitas before he was accepted. Their trip to Zurich um, supported very generously because this is not cheap by her sister, um, and those last few days together in, in Zurich, um, uh, followed by a dear friend of hers flying over just to accompany her home from Zurich um, and the funeral. Um, and it, it is, I think it's an important book for people, anyone who has thought about this issue or had a family member grapple with this issue. It's also incredibly movingly written it is honest, it is, it is, she doesn't, she, she, even stuff that is a little hard to read, she just writes it. it I've read her, she's a very, very uh, talented writer of books and short, uh, novels and short stories. And I think this is the best thing she's ever written. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's going to get a lot of attention and I, and, it, and even though it's, a, it's, as Art says, it is not a comedy, I do recommend it, especially mm -hmm. if the subject matter is of interest to you in any way. And I might also point out that it was one of the notable 20 at it Cindy's was. Book Buzz program. It was. It was. This, if, you're, if you're attending the program at, on Zoom this evening and you have, Julie happens to get this up in time and you happen to listen to it before, it's not <laughs> happening. She's shaking her head. Never mind. So it's not a sneak peek for the people who are attending on Zoom tonight. But yes, um, it is one of the 20 notable titles. And given the reviews, uh, I feel I pretty... And also... She's very well known in Connecticut. She's going to be um, in conversation with Roxanne Cody at RJ Julia uh, Tuesday, the day the book comes out, Tuesday, March 8th mm -hmm. at 6 p.m. I've registered for that program. It's virtual. Yeah. You know, uh, a horrific topic you don't really want to think about happening in your own life, but important, too, to think yeah. 
about yes. what what would I do in that situation? Yes. How would that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But my uh, one of my favorite authors was uh, Terry Pratchett, and he had early onset uh, dementia. Yeah. Yep. He went through mm -hmm. a lot of stuff for the uh, for his right to uh, uh, pass it his own choosing. Is how he, I think he put it. Exactly. This is. It's a controversial topic, but but you can. Yeah. I think that we're going to hear more about this, not less, in the time to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julie, I am very eager to hear what you have to say about what you've been reading. Oh, what I've been reading is a little book called Transcending Kingdom by Yaji yeah, Asi. You might have heard of it. You might have heard because it happens to be the 2022 uh, selection for One Book, One Wallingford. You don't say. Yes, I do say. So the book is the story of Gifty, a 28-year-old graduate student in neuroscience at Stanford University who works in a lab studying reward-seeking behavior in mice. So basically, she helps the mice get addicted to a sugary meal replacement drink and then subsequently puts them in a testing chamber with a lever that when they press it, sometimes administers that sugary drink and sometimes administers a shock. So her research is seeking to answer the question, can an animal restrain itself from pursuing a reward, especially when there is risk involved? So through the course of the novel, we come to understand perhaps why Gifty is in this field of study when we learn that her older brother, Nana, became addicted to opioids after a doctor prescribed them for a severely sprained ankle. And then several years later, he died from a heroin overdose when Gifty was 11. And it was around that time that Gifty's mother, who is herself a devout Pentecostal, uh, was suffering from a deep depression. And she sent Gifty to spend the summer in Ghana with Gifty's aunt, who's Gifty's mother's sister, Joyce. And this is also around the time when Gifty starts to question her faith, uh, which is something she continues to grapple with years later. Uh, but back in the present day, Gifty's life is somewhat upended when her mother, who is suffering from a relapse of crippling depression, comes to stay with her. And so it's a very powerful and intense novel that deals with a lot of issues. Familial love, familial obligation, loss, addiction, depression, faith, science, faith and science and the African immigrant experience. And that's just naming a few. Yep. Uh, it's, it's really beautifully written and I'm really excited to see what Yajiasi is going to say when she visits Wallingford for the finale of the One Book, One Wallingford series on April 4th at Choate. At the Paul Mellon uh, Art Center at 6.30 yes. p.m. at Choate. That's right. At Choate and tickets are free and available free. And available. Free, free is my favorite price. Free is my yes. favorite price to art at, and available at the information desk at the library. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's you, that was excellently summarized. Um, well, thank you. Uh, and uh, I've been waiting for you to read the book since we announced uh, that it was the book. 
mm-hmm. the one book book. And uh, it, yeah, it, uh, it really is a great, she's just um, truly, truly gifted. I can't believe it's only her second novel and I can't believe she's only 33. And yeah, uh, um, yeah Art's, you can't see this listeners, but Art's eyebrows just shot up because she's only 33. <laughs> um, I remember 33. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think we have many years of her writing to look forward to. And I am super eager to hear what she has to say. She's going to be in conversation with Yale Divinity School professor, Dr. Danielle McCray. And she actually specifically asked to be in conversation with someone as opposed to just lecturing to us. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's gonna be just a fascinating, fascinating evening. And she's gonna take a lot of questions and then she's gonna stay as long as people would like to sign copies of the book, which will be for sale at the event. That's awesome. I have already purchased my copy and I will be in that line to have Uh, her sign it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you will. (laughs) Most definitely. (laughs) So Art, what are you reading? Well, um, I'm reading a book called Leviathan Falls by James S.A. Corey, uh, who's actually a pseudonym for two guys, uh, Daniel Frank, who's a fantasy writer and uh, Ty Frank, sorry, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Um, So during COVID in the lockdown, I've kind of been in a book hole where I couldn't get into too many books. Mm. So this is- You're not alone. You are not alone that way. That was definitely not alone. Yeah. 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 This is one of the good tentpole books that I could jump from easily and get into, but it's uh, the last book in a really great sci-fi series. There's nine books. um, but if you'd like to get a start on it, there's also, they had the Expanse show on Amazon Prime. It's a very good book that blends hard sci-fi, you know, spaceships, things from another galaxy um, with a lot of the realistic aspects that you see in kind of modern sci-fi, family, what, it, what these crazy things might do to people. Um, one of the authors says that uh, the ba- best thing about science fiction is the people in it are basically having to deal with the future while having the brains of things that are meant to hide in the tall grass and jump away from sharp teeth. You know, we haven't Mm. changed that much physically, but the future is coming at us very fast. Mm. Um, That's interesting. uh, Yeah, it was, I'm about halfway through it. It's wrapping up Mm -hmm. a lot of loose ends and there are a lot after a nine book series, but uh, it has been one that I have had a lot of fun getting back into and uh, I cannot wait to finish it. So, so you at the end book? of, yeah, Sorry, I was going to say, is that the end of the series too? Yes, this is going to be it. There might be another novella coming out afterwards because there have been some supplementary things, but uh, yeah, I've read all nine. The first wow. three are, are very kind of harder sci-fi. The second three are more um, almost like Westerns in space, which is a great old concept. Right. Mm. And this is actually... Yeah. The last three are kind of the future of the future in space. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Great. And is yeah. your this is your first pass through it, or are you or are you reading it again? Uh, this is it. Just came out, so it's my first oh, pass okay. through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But all nine, I'm impressed. Oh yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to see what happens with all these characters. Yeah, I'll bet. Can't wait. Well, to that's remember it. When you find a se- when you find a series that you like. You know, it's very yeah. easy to devour the whole thing. Yeah. 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 They're very, they're very fun, but they're very dense books. The um, 
they were both assistants to George R. R. Martin at one point. Ah. So they really ah. have a lot of the. Ah. Yeah. A lot of. Say no more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Art. Uh, yes. This is the this is the part that Julie and I look forward to every time we have a guest on the show because we get to grill you um, instead of grilling each other for a little while. Um, uh, That's so the rest I know of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk. We'll open with a softball just to just to ease you into it gently. How okay. long have you How long have you lived in Wallingford? Uh, I've actually been in Wallingford. I thought about this the other day for twenty years. Um, which is surprising because I know how to get around Wallingford and get to New Haven, and I know I could get lost outside of uh, Meriden. That's that 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 means you need to get out more art. It needs to, no, you need to... no. You know what it means? It means that everything you need is right here in Wallingford uh, exactly. or New Haven. He just I'm gonna, he said New Haven. I'm going to just yeah. say, well, yeah, you know. But everything you really need is in Wallingford. Yes, and if I need anything else, I have Google Maps. There you okay, go. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Art, why, uh, why and how did you get involved in the library and why did you want to serve on the board of managers? Well, um, it turns out the library gives you things basically for free. Pretty much. Um, exactly. And it's the perfect distance when my kids were little, I could walk my kids to the library. They could get a nap on the way. They could play with somebody else's toys for a while, which is always very important to kids. <laughs> New toys, and then I could get a red bag or something from the, the kids' library, bring it back home, they could nap on the way back home, and I could take my nap while they played with the, the stuff they got from the library. Uh -huh, Responsible awesome. parenting right there, folks. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and it cost me nothing. Nothing. Best part. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. So they asked me to be a part of the board because I had the perspective of somebody who had kids in the library and the children's library is such an uh, integral part of our library. It takes up about, I don't know, a third of the space we have. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just uh, to add a, a little fresh voice there. Art, what's a red bag yeah. that you said you took, you took home? Oh, the red bags are great things for uh, parents at the library. It has, a, each bag has a theme, uh, woodland creatures, bugs, uh, fish, and inside the book or inside the bag, there's three or four books. There's a toy, a puppet, uh, maybe an activity or a puzzle. Uh, so it's just enough to keep a kid glued to the bag for a week, five days. I mean, depending on your kids, of course. And then you, know, you have another week or five days to go around the house and find all the parts that they lost. And then you can bring it right back. <laughs> Sounds great. That's yeah, mm -hmm. it's great. And, you know, that just goes to show the creativity of our children's librarians at the library. It, you know, just all kinds of neat things like that that you can find in the children's oh, yeah. room. Yeah. So this is this is the burning question that I know our listeners really want to know the answer to. What does the library's board of managers actually do? Ah, excellent question. Um, <laughs> When I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the Wallingford Library is a kind of a unique thing. It's run by the Library Association and it is helped a lot by the town. So it's this kind of both public space and not public space. And mm -hmm. as the board, we kind of get to navigate which um, are the best things we can choose among those two areas to help the patrons of the library, to help the librarians do their work. Um, you know, and we get to help the library director kind of 
envision how to go forward with certain topics or um, how to handle things. Uh, it is a lot of fun to see some of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. Um, just a few of it, a little bit of it is a little bit over my head, but uh, you know, I, I nod when it feels like I'm supposed to nod. I don't believe um, that. I do not. No, I don't that. believe that at all, Art. <laughs> but basically uh, everybody on board knows and loves the library and we just try to keep it a great place to come back to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you set policies and budget stuff Budget stuff. Yeah, budget That's stuff a high-tech term. Budget yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. My my mom was on my hometown library board. Um, ah. And my hometown library, I'm from upstate New York. So my hometown library, it was about the size of my house. Um, mm, uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe like the garage for the Wallingford Library. <laughs> uh, so every once in a while, I'll talk to her about it. And she's like, okay, well, that's an issue that we never ran into. <laughs> but it seems like every time with the library, there's something new and something different, whether big or little, you know, no matter what the size, there's always something there to keep us occupied. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And we certainly do appreciate all of the members of our board of managers. <laughs> so, Art, how about you? What do you like to read? Sci-fi, um, obviously. Yeah, sci-fi, fantasy, horror. Um, I am really big into comic books, uh, and I've listened to the podcast enough to know uh, that you, Julie, have read uh, Watchmen a little while ago. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I have I have the absolute edition of Walling of uh, Water. I have the absolute edition of Watchmen, which is basically mm. the world's most beautiful uh, doorstop. Uh, <laughs> and then I. I got another book by the uh, artist that has, it's the same size, it's massive, but it has all of its breakdowns, all of its lettering information. Um, some people don't know that the uh, font Comic Sans that nobody likes is actually based on Dave Gibbons' uh, lettering for that book. Oh, um, really? I didn't know that. I like yep. the font Comic Sans. Why do you say no one likes that? Mm, I mean, you, it's, you cannot put it on anything professional, just so you well, know. Well, that's true, but that doesn't mean it isn't likable. But honestly, it's it, been overused. It's had its day in the sun. It's been overused. It's it's over. And funny enough, it's oh, not even a good on. comic book font. Nobody in the yeah. comic book world uses that either. No. Um, but if you want to make a, uh, a diary from a uh, homeless psychopath, I mean, that is the perfect use for it. And that's okay. what Gibbons didn't want to. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. Um, but I also, um, Alan Moore has done some other amazing works. Uh, I've got a bunch of them over here. Uh, he did Swamp Thing, which was uh, psychedelic and crazy and just beautiful. Um, but also every once in a while, Batman would show up. So that's a fun mm. one. Um, he did From Hell, which is a great one, um, uh, which is almost impossible to describe, uh, except <laughs> that it's like uh, a pagan ritual that violently birthed the 20th century and also Jack the Ripper. Oh, Can I just so, interject at this moment to yeah. point out that when I started talking about In Love, you commented that it didn't sound like a comedy and I'm listening just to the titles the uh -huh. titles of these books before you even describe them. And I'm a little bit freaked out and horrified. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you, 
Yes, actually, if you open from hell, you would also be freaked out and horrified. Okay, that's, that's yeah, but it's fun and it's weird. <laughs> and now I'm adding it to my to be read pile. Yes. This there is why go. we have two hosts on this podcast, not one, because we like different things. Yeah, very. Uh, <laughs> I actually had a fun time. I went a little Kickstarter crazy during COVID and got a, a bunch of weird comics that I've never even heard of, and some of them have been fantastic, and some of them have been a way for me to spend twenty dollars. So, yes. Uh -huh. What What is the relationship between the comics and Kickstarter? Uh, it's a great way to get um, money to finance the time and the effort you need. So there's a lot of comics that get kickstarted. Uh, Keanu Reeves just had a Kickstarter comic book uh, with a lot of famous writers on it, a lot of famous comic book writers on it. But it's a good way to get um, you know flashy samples and pages and things out to then get the backing to produce the book. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. Look what yeah. I didn't know. All yeah. these things I'm learning today. Can you can teach an I, old dog new I, tricks? I was waiting for some. That took you a little too long. I was waiting for some quick, <laughs> quick response to that lob I tossed you, and that took your. You need more coffee today. It was that was a little slow for you. You're usually very fast on the comeback. You guys, one of you has to get like an actual stick to poke the other one. Well. If we ever, we cannot record this podcast in the same room, you know, it, it, it would be, it would be a, a disaster. Mess. Right. <laughs> All right. Okay. You, obviously you're, you're a busy man. You have two wonderful children and, and a wonderful spouse and you're on the board of managers and you have a job. So what do you like to do? Do you have any spare time? And if you do, what do you like to do in it? Well, I'll say at this point, my kids are basically self-sufficient. Self I can leave them a box of macaroni and cheese and they're good for a while. Um, <laughs> as long as they and don't I have to drive anywhere, been, that's fine. It's been lovely to watch your children grow over yes. the last several years. Agreed. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't understand when it happened. Yes. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> Isn't it just, it just happens somehow, no matter how many mistakes you make along the way, they just kind of keep, keep growing. It's amazing. How long, was I doing, how long was I doing laundry in the basement? I came back up and one of them's 14. I don't care. Uh, it's, it's, it's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Just a little water um, and macaroni and cheese and they grow. That's it. Yeah. If only my plants did so well. Um, <laughs> So when I do have spare time, I, I love to make stuff, um, almost any kind of stuff. I build things, I paint, I draw a lot. Um, at work, I make these weird photocopy collages uh, because apparently at a hospital, you're not allowed to just art, order whatever art supplies you want. Um, you can imagine why that would be. I, I've, I've talked to several people about that, but nothing <laughs> so far. Um, right at the beginning of, uh, of COVID, I actually wrote my own graphic novel. Um, I'm uh, really not doing well. Yep. I am not doing well on actually drawing it. Um, I've got thumbnails, which are like the quick sketches of pages and things, but, uh, that's something that I would like to finish at some point before my kids uh. have kids. Well, I'm just uh, going to put it out there now that if you do finish it and it gets published, I, as the reader's advisory librarian of the Wallingford uh, Public Library, I'm officially uh, inviting you to come to the library, write us launch, to launch the book yes. at the library. Oh, and sure. we, will, we will fill the house for you. Okay. So and I must say, 
No, no pressure. No pressure. And I will contribute <laughs> to that Kickstarter for sure. Yeah, so will I. There we so go. So will I. Yes. All right. <laughs> so when you get there, let us know, Art. All righty. <laughs> That's great. Wow. That's terrific. Yeah, really. A doer. But the question is, do you bake? Because, you know, it's oh, yes. time for Cook the Book, <gasps> Bake yes. the Book. Julie's favorite segment. My favorite <laughs> segments. So this recipe uh, Let me guess. is... Is it what? sweet? Is it something sweet? I don't know how you knew that. Oh. But yes, it's something sweet. <laughs> so I was actually searching for something to make for a dinner. Uh, and was looking through several cookbooks. And then I found this recipe. I've been looking for quite some time to add another cookie to my repertoire because one okay. can okay. never <laughs> have too many cookies in their repertoire. I, I can't That's disagree right. with that, but one does wonder how many cookies you already have in your repertoire. Uh, many, okay. many. Not enough? Uh, not enough. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so this recipe comes from Fiesta at Rick's Fabulous Food for Great Times with Friends by Rick Bayless with Deanne Groen Bayless. Uh, Rick Bayless is an American chef and restaurateur who specializes in authentic Mexican cuisine. He's the author of nine cookbooks and owns four award-winning restaurants in Chicago. He's been nominated many times in many categories for the prestigious James Beard Award, and he's won seven of them. Perhaps he is most widely known for winning Top Chef Masters on Ooh. the Bravo Network in the show. Wow. So, so, yes. And so this recipe is for pecan sandy shortbread cookies. Yum. Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, so you start out by toasting the pecans uh, in the oven. Uh, and then once they're cool, putting them in a food processor and uh, pulsing them until they are finely ground. Uh, then you put that in a bowl with flour, salt, and cinnamon, uh, stirring to combine. Uh, and then uh, in another bowl, you cream the cream butter and sugar. Uh, and then uh, add that to the flour pecan mixture and make um, like a, a, a dough. Uh, and then you're putting that dough into one, uh, into tablespoon size balls, putting them on a cookie sheet and putting them in the oven for about 18 to 20 minutes, depending on your oven. Once they are out of the oven, putting them on a cooling rack, once they are cool, uh, rolling them in, yes, you've got it, confectioner sugar. Oh, yes. Oh, yum. Delicious. Yum. But. Uh -uh. What? <laughs> is, well, is the but with the recipe or did you have an oops when you were making No, them? no oops. Okay. No oops. Okay. Just asking. Um, so the recipe calls for cinnamon but he prefers a freshly ground Mexican cinnamon, which is called canela. It's spicier, no? Yeah, I, I think so. 
but I didn't have that. So I used just regular cinnamon and I think it was too much. I mean, it was only a teaspoon, but it was too much cinnamon. Like I didn't, I didn't want that much cinnamon taste. I wanted the pecans to really take over. And there was a, a teaspoon of salt as well. And I understand using salt in the sweet, but it was too much. So I got the overpowering taste of cinnamon and salt, and I really wanted more pecan. Pecan pecan and pecan and butter, I'm guessing, is what you want. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there was a lot of butter in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know Um, what this means. You're going to have to bake it again. uh, Oh, most definitely. This is, this is. This is added to the repertoire. Oh, okay. But then I started thinking, so you could use this same basic recipe and use hazelnuts, right? Pulse them to yeah. finely ground powder, yeah. Yeah. hazelnuts, bake them, and then you could dip it in Nutella. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. You oh, always have to yeah. go there. You always have oh, to go. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. Oh yeah. You oh do. yeah. Because while I need a cookie in my vast repertoire of cookies that does not have chocolate, I'm always looking to add another one that does have chocolate. And what better thing to add than something with Nutella? Okay. So stay tuned, dear listeners, because I think. That's going to give be that next a go. month. Okay. I think so. Well, I think I'm we'll, going to have we'll to. They listeners will be on the edge of their seats until April for the update. But please make these before Passover because you know I won't be able oh. to eat after okay. during Passover. Um, okay, we'll do. Okay, we'll do. Okay, Cindy, what are you making? Okay, so I I got a wonderful, wonderful present at Christmas a few years ago from uh, a, a member of the Thursday Night Book Club. And it was a cook a, um, a cookbook called The Little Library Cookbook, 100 Recipes from Your Favorite Books. So literally every recipe in the book, uh, it's by, sorry, it's by Kate Young. Um, and every recipe in the book is starts with a quote from a book a novel or something that mentions mentions the recipe or mentions the baked or the cooked item, uh, and Isn't then the that wonderful. I know it's it's worlds collide kind of thing for me. Don't you think? Are uh, are they all from classic books no, or contemporary? No. Or it's it's a broad range of uh-huh. both. There's actually a wonderful picture in the book of the hundred books on on a series of bookshelves. So that so that you know in advance what and the table of contents lists what the books are. Kate Young, the author, uh, is a food writer and a cook um, who worked as a teacher uh, before finding comfort, inspiration, and distraction in food, a passion mm-hmm. that has gradually taken over her life. She works as a private cook and hosts supper clubs and caters weddings and writes about food and does all other great stuff. Um, and the recipe that I chose to make, which is a great uh, come home from work and want to have a nice dinner uh, recipe, is chicken casserole. Um, and it is from a, a novel I love called Excellent Women, written by an author I adore named Barbara Pym. And I, and I years ago, I wrote a blog post about how fabulous Barbara Pym 
was, um, there's a biography of her coming out in a few months. Um, and uh, the quote that starts the, the recipe is, I think it might be time to see to that casserole, I said, getting up. It's just on half past seven. It turned out to be a very nice bird. And I'm sure that even Williams could not have made better. So just that's a feel for how the book is set up. All you do to make this recipe is cut up a, a whole chicken, or if you're like me, just buy three pounds of chicken thighs because you don't, you know, better if it's all the same piece because then it cooks at the same time. Um, melt butter in a large pan and um, put the chicken in the pan, skin side down so that the skin gets nice and crisp. Take it out and in the in that lovely butter and chicken skin fat mixture, uh, saute up some onion, celery, leek and carrots until they're soft. Add a little flour to thicken. I now have Julie's attention, I can see, and a little white wine and put that plus the chicken in a casserole. Add some lemon slices, salt, pepper, garlic, and thyme, and then um, some chicken stock. And you 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 put so that the chicken is skin side up, nestled in that yummy stuff. And then you cover Ooh. the casserole and put it in the oven um, for twenty minutes, and then roast it another five without the cover on. And that's it. And it's wow. I mean, so the whole thing, you know, other than the chopping, but you don't even have to chop, you just have to slice, which is quicker than chopping for me. And mm -hmm. um, by the time the oven is preheated, it's basically ready to go in and you've got a great dinner in under an hour. Um, so for those of us who get home from work at 530, you're serving a nice dinner at 630, little salad, maybe some bread to sop up the yummy and it's all good. And and what a that great, does sound great, delicious. great cookbook. This is it's like a little gift. I've got questions. Okay. So in that book, it mentions the casserole, but the cookbook author has yeah. taken liberty yeah. with the recipe. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. I, I, I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. When you said right, it mean, was recipes from books, from I thought the, it the, was going to be more specific, you know, mention of. Well, the, the rest of the book quote says casserole and nice bird. So we can assume yes. it's a chicken, chicken yes. and a casserole. And this recipe is a chicken and a casserole. So I'm good. Yes. Okay. Right? Um, uh, I'd it's have an to extrapolation, do, though. Yeah, I'd have to do a deep dive into, um, I just, for example, flipped to uh, Neapolitan pizza from my brilliant friend. Now that's not right. That's pretty good, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and there's a really, really yummy looking pizza. So I think, I think that it's, I think, I think it's, it's a fair, you know, the books themselves, the novels don't really come usually with recipes. So I think it's a no, fair. No, I didn't think fair. that, but <laughs> I thought it might be a more specific reference to a dish. Uh, and then, you know, the no, recipe no, for no, that no, dish. No, okay. No. And I like when you said that the food provided comfort, inspiration, and distraction, as doesn't food do that for all of us? I, I think it really does. I think it really does. Yes. So, Art, what's comfort in, comforting, inspiring, and distracting you these days? Uh, for cooking, well, uh, originally I was going to do something similar. I had a book by Tolkien, uh, which has a lot of potato and stew recipes in it. Uh, but mm -hmm. then I realized it was just The Hobbit. So I just read it instead. <laughs> um, 
So I do all the cooking uh, and the baking in the house. Um, the kids are oh. stepping up a lot with the baking, which is very nice because if they do all the work and then I just get to eat it. So I got to go whole hog on this one and go in deep into my recipes to find one that I had not done before. So mm-hmm. I made brown butter molasses cupcakes from John Besh's My Family Table. Yeah. This is actually a book I got at the, the library, uh, copied it out uh, and uh-huh. made it. And it is, I made mini cupcakes. They were delicious. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. But then you make your own caramel for inside. You brown the Ooh. butter for the caramel. You put a little molasses in it. So it's got the molasses touch. Um, mm-hmm. Did not actually have molasses, which is weird for me. So uh-huh. I used some brown sugar and some honey, but it's still got the same. That, uh-huh. is, that is the sign of an advanced baker. That yes. You, you knew how to sub in like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Google is a very good advanced baker. <laughs> substitute the molasses. Um, and then you make uh, the frosting. Um, and then once everything's cooled down, you I made mini muffins, mini cupcakes, which was a, my, my big problem. So I had to cut little itty bitty oh, tiny yeah. bowls on the top of each mini oh. muffin. Oh, yeah. And then drizzle the caramel inside of it. Um, so my yeah. kitchen is still sticky. <laughs> oh. um, then you put it all back together and you put a little dollop of frosting on the top. And uh, I took it to work. Mm-hmm. And I think the the sound of the feet stomping into the break room at work yeah. was pretty thunderous. Um, <laughs> I don't know if mm-hmm. there was a round of applause, but I can just imagine that there was. Yes, you heard it. You heard it in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. They were so sweet, but so also there was that good depth from the, the brown sugar in there. It was, they were great. Sounds Definitely mm-hmm. make them again. Now, if this I is my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why just a little dollop of frosting? Why not a They were big... mini cupcakes because they were oh. mini cupcakes and they had okay. caramel inside. You raving. Well, you could, still, you could still put a healthy portion. It doesn't have to be a dollop. Well, no matter what recipe for cupcakes I make, there is never enough frosting in the recipe. So you always have yeah. to double the recipe oh, or one and a half times yeah. the recipe. That's yeah. no matter what. Mm. And then True. There's sometimes you just True. squeeze the frosting right into your mouth just to taste test it to make sure it's okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. There, there has to be some quality control there. What was the exactly. recipe itself for the mini cupcakes, or did you? Yeah. Was it for, the whole okay. thing is written out and blocked out. It was very easy to do, um, and he even timed it out nicely so that by the time that the the caramel was done, the um, cupcakes were cool enough to handle. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky with caramel because yeah. it hardens very fast. So you have to mm-hmm. work quickly. Work quickly. Yeah. And it's like it's napalm. It sticks and burns. It is so <laughs> my little fingers were right under the oven, right under the uh, sink. As soon as I was yeah. Done. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. But our time is up. Art, Cindy, where did the time go? Oh, goodness. Anyway. Does this mean I have to go back to doing chores? Uh, yes, no, unfortunately. You can stay stay on the podcast and keep going. It's all good. <laughs> oh, all right, you, right. you have to clean that kitchen, Art. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing got done, Diana, but Cindy said it's okay. <laughs>
Oh, well, thank you, dear listeners, for listening to the Bookmark Podcast. Please check the show notes for a list of the books, authors, and websites we talked about. Please subscribe to the Bookmark wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll know when a new episode is available, and you'll want to know that right away. Right away. And visit the library's website at wallingfordlibrary.org for more information about the library, our upcoming events, such as One Book, One Wallingford, and how to contact Cindy and me. As always, thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Julie. And thank you, Art. This was so much fun. You're a sport, Art. Thank you, Art. Julie. Thank you, Cindy. Yes. Cindy. You, yeah, it was a real treat to have you on today, and we hope you'll come back. <laughs> no, sure. We, we Once you, you recover from this. <laughs> we hope you didn't, we didn't scare you away. <laughs> Now, say goodbye, Cindy. Goodbye, Cindy.